You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Jose Solis, a freelance theater critic. And I am Alicia Ramirez, a freelance arts and culture writer. And we are your token theater friends. Alicia, welcome. I am so happy to have you. I don't think we have ever... We've ever recorded anything together, right? No, we've done Maximum. What am I talking yeah, about? Yeah, I believe two years ago, but that was a long time. I think we both moved on to other things, but we've remained friends and cheered each other on from the sidelines. But I am so excited to be working with you again. Well, remember what I always say, like, if you're doing something with me, it shouldn't feel like work. Yeah, it doesn't feel like work. Okay, I'm very I glad. I should say, I'm excited to be collaborating with you. How about that? Ooh, I love it. I love it. So, Alicia, I, I want, you know, our listeners should, they should know Alicia's work by now because she's, like, fucking amazing. But if you don't, uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the things that, that drew you to theater and to the arts. Like, uh, I don't can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing and maybe what's the first piece of art that you fell in love with? Sure. So I am a Puerto Rican writer living in New York City. So my introduction to theater, at least theater in the States, was in the Heights because I was watching the local news show back home and Lin-Manuel Miranda had recently won the Tony for In the Heights. It was a pretty big deal for folks on the island the theater scene is sort of scarce in a way. When you think of Broadway, you think of something so far away that you have to travel to, um, that it's really expensive and inaccessible. So it pretty much piqued my interest in theater. And then I started college a few years later in suburban Philadelphia. And my first show was Peter and the Starcatcher. And I just fell in love with theater and I didn't return back home to Puerto Rico. So I just kept attending shows and eventually pursuing writing professionally. So here I am. Okay, but there's no lie though in that you had to travel and Broadway is expensive. So I mean, has your idea of what Broadway was going to be and more specifically what theater was going to be changed uh, in the uh, years that you've been here? 
I'll say this. Inclusivity is an illusion. Oh, yeah. That's that, that's the way to start uh, our episode. So thank you for setting the, the right tone. <laughs> no, just kidding. So we are in the holidays. And the holidays is like one of my favorite times uh, of the year. So Alicia, what do the holidays bring to mind uh, to you? To mind, they bring... Um, family time, food, and just odd traditions. And right now we're in the middle of a pandemic, so not everybody gets to spend the holidays with their families and just engage in the traditions that they really love. So it it's a really difficult time right now, but I'm I'm lucky to be isolated with family. So we're engaging in this really strange tradition that is very common in Central America, not so much back home in Puerto Rico, which is burning a cardboard cutout of a man. You just burn it and it's like you're burning the year. Like every day? No, like on on December 31st, you just cut out the silhouette of a person and just set it on fire. Oh, wow. That sounds like a fire hazard. Yeah. So that that's the only tradition I'm going to partake in. You're going to burn a cardboard cutout? Yeah, I'm just going to burn a cardboard cutout of 2020 and I think a lot of people would agree well although although 2020 has been kind to me despite the circumstances I I really need to put that out there it's just burning all the bad stuff away amen but I mean has the year been good to you or have you just like really worked your ass off this year I've worked my ass off this Mm -hmm. year and the year before that and the year before that, I think right now I'm beginning to see the fruits of my labor and just continually working really hard and, and seeing the shows that we decided to see and discuss today. I just wanted to think like, what are your traditions? Have you had to adapt any traditions? Have you taken on any new traditions? Because honestly, I thought I was going to have a tradition with you, which was visiting you and having a holiday party. Oh my God, I'm dying to have a <laughs> holiday party, but like Cuomo said that, uh, you know, small gatherings are like the biggest. Yeah, uh, I'm not. Yeah. So no, Alisa. So you're here in my heart and in my spirit, but and you're welcome here. Uh, in heart and spirit, but unfortunately we cannot hang out. But uh, I mean, you, <laughs> I know. you know me well enough to know that all my traditions are things that I made up for myself. They're my traditions. Like I don't, I didn't like, carry any traditions from like my home country. And I, I don't know, I think that traditions are meant to be, uh, you know, they're very personal and they're meant to be designed by each, each of us. So I do have some traditions uh, involving uh, the things that I love. And like, for instance, I spend most of December and the weeks uh, of Christmas and New Year's, I watch 
so many like classic movies like i'll like bundle up and like i'll watch movies that i've seen like a hundred times uh you know like casablanca and like west side story and the wizard of oz and like i just spend entire days watching the things that make me feel like home and i don't mean home as in like a geographic place specifically but the things that just make me feel warm and like happy inside i uh i always try to make a point of going to see as many shows as i can in december uh but this year i'm going to be watching them from home uh do you have any like shows or music or movies that make you think about about christmas and about the holidays i would have to say when i was a kid it was the nutcracker that was one of the things that was presented at the local theater and you would go with your family and like your exposure to art for the year if you weren't involved in anything else okay so now i'm really curious is that why you picked uh the hip-hop nutcracker which is one of the shows that we're going to be talking about today to some extent yes it wasn't because i wanted to think about something from my childhood i was mostly interested in the music as opposed to the performance itself Okay, and of course, I, I, when I was looking for shows, I saw Baltimore Center Stage. I'm like, huh, I like their work. Shout out to Stephanie Barra. The queen of theater, the queen of our world. Yeah, so, and also shout out to the editor who let me keep her name in an interview I did. They weren't intimidated, like, were not so theater savvy so we're gonna have to cut this so i'm eternally yeah. grateful yeah and stephanie barra's name should be everywhere so uh-huh. in addition to the hip-hop nutcracker we're gonna be talking about the jinx and della holiday special and let's start with that so if you are not at least have you ever watched an episode of drag race i've seen a handful it's not something that's um part of my rotation it's just like flipping the channels and i it's like okay they're doing something interesting so i'll keep watching but of course i am aware of the cultural relevance and how um it's all evolved since drag race has come into television okay so you and i have to talk about drag race uh when we're done with this because i have some yeah, you're gonna have to sit through some like drag lessons. But uh, the <laughs> Jinx and Della holiday special basically pairs my two favorite queens, and I'm not kidding when I say this. Uh, they are by far my favorites. It's uh, Banda Creme and Jinx Monsoon, who were respectively in season uh, six and five of uh, Drag Race, and who for the past couple of years or so got it together to do a holiday special like they do a variety show basically with songs and puppetry and costume changes and dance moments and a lot of like really uh let's say uh off-color jokes which are always like a lot of fun and what you should expect with the drag queen so 
basically they did this same show a year ago. I saw it in Philadelphia and uh, that's why I'm wearing my shirt in the show, the Jinx and Della t-shirt that I got last Christmas. And the idea was for them to keep doing this show like every year, like with variations, obviously, but obviously a little virus, like, you know, like derailed our years. So I was actually in so much awe of how quickly they put together a televised version of this. And what they did that was so wonderful is that, you know, both Jinx and Della are extremely like savvy when it comes to like pop culture and especially like television and film and music from like the golden age of entertainment. So basically what they've done for this is that they put together a special that wouldn't be, uh, you know, like unlike something that Judy Garland would have done in the 1950s. And it's because they both have that same aesthetic. So they shot a version of their stage show with the custom studio, with custom sets, incredible costumes, and it is now available to stream worldwide. And it's like 14 bucks. The premise of the show is very simple, uh, you know, on a surface. It's basically Ben de la Creme, who is this like joyous, you know, like Doris Day kind of queen where like everything's perfect. And she's like a perfect like homemaker, like a perfect like woman and all that. Loves the holidays so much. And she doesn't understand why her like slightly more cynical friend, Jinx Monsoon, doesn't get it. So the entire show is Ben de la Creme trying to explain to Jinx Monsoon why the holidays matter and why specifically the Christian holidays matter. And it's this like almost philosophical back and forth where they're doing comedy, but they're also digging at some like really interesting questions. You know, I was so happy when I saw that this was happening because one of the things that I really love about drag queens is that they are almost like magic. And I, and I don't mean this to like diminish or like to like, you know, like, I don't mean this in any disrespectful way at all, but I love that drag queens are some of the few types of entertainers that their mission is to entertain and to bring joy to people. And while we see that many uh, industries, for instance, have shut down and, you know, God bless them and God bless us all because it's a really hard time financially and emotionally for all of us. I love that they put together this like really incredible production. So Alicia, have you ever been to a, like a, a live drag show? I have not. You're taking me to one when we can. That's right. Alicia, did you come to my birthday? Uh-uh. Why? I'm, okay, that's for another. Yeah, you don't have to listen <laughs> to this. Okay. Um, okay, so tell me. I'm really fascinated. Like, tell me, this was your first, like, drag experience, so to speak. I knew about Jinx and Della, but this was my first show outside of Drag Race. And I had so much fun. I had so much fun. It was so joyous and I love that it was campy and entertain pardon me I love that it was campy and entertaining it just what it you know it, it took me a minute to process some of the things because it would have been like a few years back if if I were watching this show 
I would be, oh my God, that would be so scandalous to criticize. But I think we're at a point in society where we need those sort of critiques. And a lot of the messages that they were sharing beyond entertaining, um, pardon me, beyond entertainment, like you mentioned, and spreading joy, they didn't feel like placeholders to me. Like, Christmas is important. Family is important. Um, one of the moments that really caught my eye was when Della was dressed as Virgin Mary and was singing about the birth of Jesus to the tune of Baby It's Cold Outside, which is very problematic. And as somebody who also grew up in Latin America, all the things that were that she was saying, I was, oh my God, this is so true. Especially it because for whoever's listening that doesn't have enough context, it's a very patriarchal and overly Catholic um, landscape. So to see these questions being posed through song, I, I just loved it and I had so much fun. And another thing I really like, um, this number is called Passive Aggressive Christmas. And don't we all have that passive aggressive person in our lives? And I think the holidays bring out the worst in people sometimes because it can be very draining mentally and physically for a lot of people. And for Jinx to sing about that in, in a very pop rock way, it didn't feel like old Hollywood like the other numbers did. I just love that. And it gave it some edge, which I really appreciated. And also the outfit she was wearing, it kind of reminded me. And this is in the best way possible. It reminded me of the Mamma Mia finale outfit where they have all the ruffles, but I like Jinx's better. It had more sparkle that suited her. So, okay. I'm so happy that you love them because I love them so much. And when I picked a show, I also picked it because I don't think that drag gets the recognition that it should when it comes to theater. And this show, for instance, has more depth, has more uh, entertainment value, has more production values, has more, uh, you know, I could go on and on and on than many shows that both you and I have seen in plenty of stages, I'll be say, right? Am I mistaken? Yes. I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, Were you I, surprised by that? I agree with you. Um, I, I know that drag shows nowadays have a very high production value, but I was very interested in seeing how they were going to navigate this social distancing, isolation um, issue, especially in the shots, because you can tell some things that have been filmed throughout this pandemic, whenever the, the group of people isn't together, they just cut to one person and then to another. So it is very clear that they're not together. And if they are, 
it doesn't look like it. So why expose yourself to this other person? Yeah, it's also like uh, worth mentioning that this production was directed by Band of the Prim. And when they went on tour last year, it was the first production that uh, Ben was producing as a producer. Okay, Ben, that made, that made sense. Uh, so it's also so empowering to see young artists, young queer artists doing the work independently and making sure that the work becomes accessible to people from all over the world. And I love that so much about them. And, you know, Della, for instance, is uh, one of my favorite queens. No, she's my favorite queen. Sorry, Jinx. Uh, you're my second favorite uh, because. <gasps> oh my God, look at that. Yeah, that was I'm me showing. So jealous. That was me showing Alicia my picture with Ben and You know uh, what, Jinx. I scratch that. I'm not jealous. I'm happy for you. I'm glad you, you had that moment. Thank you. It was like one of my happiest moments. I was so nervous. Like, so funny because I've, I've talked about this in the past. Like, I don't get starstruck around like movie and like Broadway stars. I get starstruck around drag queens. No. Like, yeah, I shake and I start like, my voice gets all like, oh my God. And I do like the whole like big, you know, like fan thing that I never do with like Oscar winners and like Tony winners. But like, give me like every time, you know, I've seen Band of the Creme several times because one of my favorite things about uh, Della is that she talks about issues and subject matters that are usually not addressed in drag shows. Like, for instance, she had an entire show a couple of years ago where she was, okay, listen to this, Alicia. She was mm -hmm. basically doing a version of Dante's uh, Divine Comedy mm -hmm. in a drag show where she went through the nine circles of hell and talked about suicide, talked about toxic masculinity, talked about coming out and talked about so many things that every time you go to one of her shows, it's like you have the time of your life because she's very funny. But then you go home and you're like, holy fuck, that show was about suicide. And they do the same in this one that you saw it, right? Like they, they start dissecting and dismantling all these traditions that we uphold and that we respect and they come up with something really beautiful, which is why I believe that it's, you know, it's an hour long. It's worth seeing for sure. Yeah, definitely. And to add to this conversation, it highlights the broader conversation about um, accessibility and representation. And going back to what we talked about traditions, it's not something, dare I say, that you can neatly wrap in a bow. It, it begs to be questioned, just like our traditions and what we consume. And also, to wrap this up, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but do you think you feel that way when you meet um, your favorite queens because we've sort of been conditioned to keep it together when it comes to work? No, it's because, no, not at all. It's because they have, and in fact, you know, I, I wrote a piece last year about this show that unfortunately never got published, but I got paid, huh. so yay. Okay, that's good. Uh, yeah, it never got published, in which I talked to Della about this, and I was like, I get starstruck every time I see you. 
And it's not because of that. It's because, uh, I mean, you know, what he said that I don't respect all those rules about like etiquette and all that stuff. Oh, I don't yeah. believe in that. Yeah. So it's more about, to me, almost like drag queens have this like quality that when you meet a movie star, when you meet a TV star, when you meet a, a theater uh, star, when you meet them in person, they're demystified because they're no longer, you know, in character. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, a drag queen is always in character. And that means that they forever remain larger than life. And they are tall, they're breathtaking, they're beautiful, makeup, hair, dresses. And when we meet people that we interview, they're never like, you know, made up in like gowns and stuff like that. Not that they should. But again, like this is why I love drag queens so much because they, I don't know how they do it. It's like a skill that I don't even think that many, you know, like quote unquote traditional like performers have. Drag queens remain in character almost at all times. And it shows how much they love their craft and how much they love their fans where they have to talk to you in character. And it's so surreal because like as a journalist, for instance, you are conscious that you're talking to someone who has a life of their own, but who chooses to be in this persona that they created. So consciously, you know, I could I could perfectly be like, you know, calling them by their uh, by their boy names, so to speak, or by like their uh, birth names. But you can't, because they would be disrespectful, but also like, because you can't, I don't know how to explain that at least yet, but it's not that thing about like being like, you know, like, uh, in control and being like uh, yeah. respectful and being, it's not that, it's like something, drag queens basically remind me of the magic of art and why I love art so much. And every time I see a drag queen that I love and I get to talk to them, I feel like I'm a little kid talking not to Judy Garland, but to Dorothy, talking not to Nicole Kidman, but to Satine, etc. You know, like, I yeah. feel like I'm talking to the characters that I fell in love with. And that's what we do as little kids, right? Like we talk to yeah. cartoons, we talk to the uh, characters that we fell in love with. We don't talk to actors, like we don't know what actors are. No, exactly. And also going back to um, the name thing you just mentioned, you're interviewing the queen. You're not interviewing the, the person behind the queen. So it doesn't make sense to call them by their birth name. And also, it's good to think about it in a childlike way because kids have little to no inhibitions and have tons of curiosity. And I think we lose that as adults, in, especially in an industry where we have to fight tooth and nail to share that we are worthy of being with the other people who do the same job we do. Yeah, absolutely. Before we go to the next show, I just want to share like a little anecdote yeah, with all of up. you. That's like one of my favorite things that ever happened to me. So like when I, uh, when I went to the show last year, I went to Philadelphia and maybe you're asking yourselves, why did you go all the way to Philadelphia and not see them in New York? It doesn't matter, to be honest. Uh, but there's another queen. It doesn't matter. Maybe I'll tell that story some other time. But anyway, after no, the show. No, no, no. I, I, I want to hear all of it. 
Okay, so what happened was that I had tickets to go see Madonna in September at BAM, right, in Brooklyn. And Madonna, being Madonna, canceled uh, my performance and she didn't reschedule it and she gave me a refund. And there's no way on earth that me living in the United States and I'm not gonna go see Madonna. So I bought tickets to go see Madonna in uh, Philadelphia and because it was the closest place to New York that I could go to and find affordable tickets. But it so happened to be that the night that uh, Della and Jinx were doing their show in New York, I was going to be in Philadelphia seeing Madonna. <laughs> so I had to go to Philadelphia two times within a week to see three different queens. So they were worth it, absolutely. So when I was waiting to meet them after the show, just to say hi and be like, I'm gonna be talking to you on the phone in a couple of days, I was only gonna be interviewing uh, Ben de la Creme. So when I went to wait for them and they took me to like the uh, green room, right? Like where all the fans were like waiting uh, to have their stuff signed and stuff. Uh, I'm never gonna forget that I'm waiting for them and Jinx Monsoon looks at me and she comes to me and she goes, is this a reporter? <laughs> and I was like, yes, this is a reporter. And she was like, are you a good reporter? And I'm like, I hope so. And I was just like a puddle. Like she like disarmed me completely. And I wish that I had been able to interview both of them, but I wasn't. And it's on my bucket list someday. So thank you so much, Ben de la Creme and Jinx Monsoon for making me feel like a little kid every time that I see your work and every time that I've seen you on stage and every time that I've met you, you are angels to me. Up next, we reviewed Hip Hop Nutcracker presented by Baltimore Center Stage. And also FYI, Hip Hop Nutcracker has been shown in a variety of venues, digitally of course, in the US, but since we love Baltimore Center Stage, we decided this was a good fit for us. Just like in the original Nutcracker, okay. just like in the original Nutcracker, Maria Clara and the Nutcracker Prince go on an adventure. There's the gang of mice, the sweets, and the learning of the lessons in this holiday season. So for me, I have a confession to make. For me, I have a confession to make, Jose. I, I had not seen a production of the Nutcracker in ages. I believe the last time I saw one, I was seven. That's how long it's been. I'm so a like little five, older now. Five years ago. No, I'm kidding. No, 20. Anyway... It's a good family show. I saw it with the family members I am quarantining with. It was good, but I was expecting more. My favorite part of it was the DJ and also the violinist, which was severely underutilized, in my opinion. I thought Hip Hop Nutcracker was not only going to involve hip hop moves, but also infuse some of that in the music 
But of course, um, Tchaikovsky's score doesn't lose its integrity, being that it's hip hop and not ballet. But that that was a disappointing point for me. And also what I enjoyed most in regards to the dancing was the very romantic slow dance. The group numbers seemed a little cartoonish to me. I don't know. Whatever. What do you think? I'm thinking right now, Alicia, that I wish you would have seen this as a seven-year-old because, oh my God, you sound like an adult who loves that thing. <laughs> but I also, I also have a question for you because you used uh, a word right now that I want to challenge. Yeah. You said that Tchaikovsky didn't lose his integrity with hip hop. Why would he lose his integrity with hip hop? Okay, I, I think I need to elaborate on this. I think it came across very narrow-minded and elitist. Um, what I mean by not losing the integrity, okay, um, integrity might not be the word I that is best suitable for this conversation. What I meant was that they they incorporated the type of moves that you would associate with something really fast-paced and like building something up that they didn't need to be they didn't need to be in point shoes to demonstrate that synchronicity and those clean lines and um and the effort that goes in, for example, like toy soldiers, that all soldiers need to man maintain a certain rhythm, a certain movement. So I, it, it honors what the original music did in its own way, because art is art. But it's two completely different types of dance. It, does that make sense to you now? Okay, now I get it. Now you don't okay. sound like, a, like an old white lady. Um, no, I am not old and I am not white. Thanks. <laughs> uh, but you see, you know, like the word integrity like, can, can bring those like elitist like things that we're like, no, but I, I told, yeah, that, that point that you made right now, I totally get. And that was like one of the things for me when I was watching this, what I kept hoping was let, uh, let it soon come the day when we don't have to see BIPOC takes on white classics. Like let us not do the Nutcracker. Let us invent our own new thing. Let us not do a Christmas Carol with like black actors or like Latino actors or like Asian actors. Let us invent our own thing. Let us stop adapting white stories to fit our, uh, you know, just to replace them with like a different cast or a different kind of ensemble or a different genre of music. Let us invent new things and let's get rid of these traditions that clearly don't always make sense. Cause yes, I was, I was, yeah, I was also like, huh, there was something off 
And I think that it was because maybe there was, it was a little bit forced how they brought both worlds together. And that, you know, the ensemble was perfect and they were all great and magnificent dancers. But you can see that with something new, maybe with something fresh, with an original idea, they could be establishing new traditions. And that's what I hope to see more of in future holidays, especially after this year that has been so life altering and so earth shaking for the industry and for the performing arts. Yeah, because the stories are there. I'm sure the holiday stories from different cultures are there. You just give the platform, the opportunity to any person, any, let me just say that again. Sure. And if you give the opportunity and the platform to any non-white person, the story is going to be there. And speaking of stories and speaking of performers that we love, Alicia and I interviewed the magnificent Bianca Marroquin and Chad Austin, who talked about a project they did together and a lot of other fun stuff. So let's go to the interview and we'll be right back. Bianca Marroquin and Chad Austin, welcome to Token Theater Friends. We're very happy to have you. Uh, can we start by talking about this fabulous campaign you have going on, Chad, uh, called I Will? and how did Bianca become uh, involved in it? Of course, first, um, thank you for having me. Thank you for having us. Um, it's a pleasure to be here on this snowy day. Beautiful. <laughs> um, I Will campaign, it, um, it actually started for me um, as a necessity during the pandemic because I was losing a little bit of my own personal passion. I was scared, I think, like the rest of the world. I won't go into too much of my own anxiety, but as at, at the helm of a theater company, I was seeing all of these campaigns that were, we miss the theater. I hope the theater comes back, but there was never really um, something that seemed as positive as I will sing again. I will mm -hmm. dance again. I will go to the theater again. So I woke up one morning and I just, I had all of these projects that I was supposed to do this year um, to start our 28th season of producing theater in New York City. And um, I, I woke up and I said, I will do those projects again. It may not be in the next mm -hmm. six months. It may not be in nine months, but I will direct that play so I, I pitched the idea to my team and then they loved it and they really um, connected to the message. And then I called and emailed some, some friends, including mm -hmm. Bianca, and I asked them and I asked them if they would just sign on or what their I will would be. And the the uh, result from people, including Bianca, who was one of the first people I asked for so many reasons, mm -hmm. uh, because she is an inspiration, you are, and a, and a light and a joy. Um, and Bianca sent me back her message, I believe, you know, in 24 hours, which, you know, you guys, Jose, Alicia, you must mm -hmm. know what that means when you reach out to someone who's across the, the world, Yes. And they drop everything to to make a video to show their support for this campaign. And Bianca truly 
I know I said that to an email, but she did exactly that. Um, so we, I gathered around 20 people all across the globe. Um, Ruthie Hinshaw um, from London, Francis Ruffell, Kate Baldwin here from the city, Andrew Lippa, um, B, formerly known as Eve Insler, just a, a huge amount of people. And then we also reached out to our patrons and, and we started this campaign and made this video and it had a really um, huge impact on a lot of people. I will be on stage again, dancing until I can. I'll sing alone and for the first time in my life, I really want to be on my own with you. I will continue to write plays that speak the unspoken. Thank you for asking about it. And thank you for letting me go on about it. Chad, um, I know you've jumped ahead in virtual theatrical experiences. So I'll, I'll just ask about that specifically. Um, when the pandemic started, I immediately asked myself, are theater companies going to turn themselves into media companies? Because everybody has to adapt to the circumstances. Of course, there's no right or wrong answer. But um, can you tell me a little bit about what that looks like for the Abington, um, especially after the premiere of Estelle Scrooge, which I loved. I oh, saw it last week. Yes. Oh, thank you for watching. Hey, thank you for watching. Um, yeah, um, it was quite the twist. Uh, <laughs> you can only imagine when you've planned everything to be live on stage. And I, I really wanted to. So Estelle was going to be a live show. Estella was going to be a live show, uh -huh. you know, so that is that. And they're hoping that all of the theater companies that are involved mm -hmm. um, in, in promoting Estella, that that it will have that sort of mm -hmm. new Christmas holiday mm -hmm. storytelling um, with a twist. Yeah. Um, but my, the first thing we did actually was a short play virtual festival. Yes. Um, which was was actually never planned obviously virtually was never an idea at that point but it also came from the climate of the theater with black lives matter um so a lot of people were putting out statements of support of course i i i strongly support the mission and the diversity and i feel like the company has done a wonderful job in its past 27 years of doing so as well but i wanted to do something a little bit more than just make a statement mm -hmm. and um i i took the funds that would have been allocated to actually some stage readings and we made a bipoc short play festival so all of the pieces were written by people of color about stories of color directed by um, people of color and starring people of color. And I got over 80 submissions. That's and, incredible. And yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of reading, but I enjoyed every second of it. And we were able to produce six pieces virtually and over two wow. weeks. And each piece had um, over 500 views on YouTube. They were able to watch. So so that's sort of the first way I was the first choice. And I was very, I was very proud of that. And I, um, it's something that worked so well. And I've connected with so many new directors and playwrights and actors that may never have submitted something to me or, or known about Abingdon. And I certainly didn't know about them. So mm -hmm. I was really excited about that. And I actually just already wrote it into my plans for next year. 
I don't know if you, you probably guys figured this uh-huh. out. We've got a plan like already a year ahead. So it's yes. like, I'm working on this year, but planning on next year. So, um, so that was our first virtual really jumping into it was the festival. The two of you are extraordinary dancers. And I'm really curious as I, I'm very clumsy and I don't know how to move that well. <laughs> so I'm very curious for, you know, uh, people who express themselves through dance. How has movement changed when it's restricted to like maybe your homes and your apartment and you're not, you know, you're not walking outside, you're not going anywhere. Um, I wonder if you've noticed new ways in which your body is expressing movement or have you, I don't like, do you try to like remember how to like do the things that you haven't been doing because you're not on stage uh, well since March? Bianca, you want to answer that one? Well, (laughs) of course, going back to the I Will project, I wanted to say that I was really moved by it. And of course, we're all living through this anxiety and this um, uncertainty of what's going to happen and then all this nostalgia of everything that you've done. And then all of a sudden it pauses and then your brain, you have to tell your brain, no, 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 it's just a pause. It's going to come back. It's going to come back because you get confused and it's almost like, well, that's that. I lived a good life. Okay. Yeah. It's really, the, you know, you can get trapped into a little depressing hole and you have to keep the hope and keep the faith, keep positive. So this project of your chat, I will. So of course it's like, no, 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 no. Hang on to that. No trust that it is going to come back. So I will dance again and I will do all these things. So that immediately, that's why I did it because that's exactly what I needed. Thank you. And I don't not to tell myself and not to tell you, but to tell the rest of the world. And so they all can have the same message. We'll get through this and it'll all come back. There's just certain things that the universe needs to put in place and rearrange. But And in the meantime, do the inner work, right? Do the inner work so we can come out of this a, bit, a little better version of ourselves. Anyway, so dancing, of course, I miss it. I miss the stage, I miss moving. So everybody has to be creative in their own spaces, depending on where you are, to keep active and keep your, your body moving. I, I, for instance, like to run. So I'll try to like from four to five times a week, get my run in because it's my juices and it's uh, all my articulations and my muscles and my brain because when I run, I do, it's like therapy for me and I visualize what I want to do and all my plans that I want to do and, and create, create, keep creative. The things that I've done, all those projects that I've done on Zoom that I've participated in that they've been invited me to do, some videos I've turned in and I'll go downstairs. I created my basement in this new house that my husband and I moved out to in the, mm-hmm. in the country. And uh, I made it into a dance studio and I put up mirrors. That's a dream of mine. I've always wanted to do that. And I finally did it. So, so the, the floor, my bar and my mirrors. So this, uh, one of the concerts that I did for Diva Broadway, they asked me to do Spanish Rose. So I did it all mm-hmm. in my space and my husband was filming <laughs> and I was trying to, but of course, in the, within the camera, don't move a lot. Don't come out of the camera. So it's not, you're, you're a little limited. Another reading that I did for uh, Susan Stroman and, and, and uh, John Kander for New York, New York, I had a character in there, the barfly, which was awesome, was so funny and everything, but she's a dancer. Technically, Susan wasn't, wasn't supposed to choreograph. This is a reading. 
But then she told us, you do what you want, you do what you want. So within my little, you know, phone on the tripod, whatever, I was uh, trying to do fully things fully <laughs> and just like, ah, and then my little things that technically, let's keep it like for the record, Susan did not choreograph these. I don't want to get her into trouble. <laughs> but it's those little things that we're doing on camera and sending and those of us that are dancers that are getting to just read or sing or yes, I miss it so much. I cannot wait to get back on the stage to fully fill up a stage and mm. use, you know, full extension of the stage and chalet across the stage <laughs> and, you know, so it is a, we got to find our ways to keep it, to keep active, but also keep our minds positive and in the frequency on a positive frequency to attract the good things rather than the bad things, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I have to say that I just mm -hmm. took my first, um, I have been retired as a dancer for quite a while as soon as I moved into the artistic world, at, uh, mm -hmm. in the world, but still dabble in some some choreography and direction with within that. But I, I will tell you, hopefully it's a, it's, a, it's kind of a funny story, but I took my first online Zoom class um, from, from Bianca, from Michelle Potter, from Chicago. Michelle Potter. Yes. Oh. Um, which, so shout out to Michelle Potter's cardio dance class on, I believe, wow. Thursday nights. And I was sweating so bad. I, I kept turning the video off so no one would see me. I don't want them to see me. I'm going to take it. Does she do them every Thursday? She does that every Thursday. Every what? Thursday. Where uh, can I find her? Um, you know what? I'll send it to you. you I'll send me the link. Because she'll love it. Because it was so much fun. And actually, she did money from Cabaret. Money, 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 money. Wow. Um, and it was so much fun. And um, anyway, I did that. But it was funny yeah. because I, I sent her a picture afterwards and I was sweating and the whole thing. And she uh, yes. And I was like, whoa, my living room got a workout. My living room exactly. got a workout. <laughs> you know, well, the, the reason why I did this, the dance space in my basement was because a friend of mine that has a ballet school in Mexico City asked me to give a master class. And mm -hmm. I said, I don't even know how to. And my husband's the one that said, no, don't say no. Wait, we were fixing our home and we asked the workers at our home, there happened to be Mexican people in uh, Mexican community. And they said, I have some mirrors. I have a leftover floor from this other project that I did. So it was all, they all put it up for me. Wow. It was all donated and I, and I, and I, and that's how my, my room came about. Mm -hmm. And so I taught a class and it was a, a original choreography of mine to when a song of mine from an album that I have in Spanish, Bien Send Me. Mm -hmm. And I did it to all these beautiful dancers, ballet dancers. Mm -hmm from 10, 11 years old to like 22. And we had 30 wow. some thirty some students mm, on cool. Zoom. Like, how am I gonna do this? And it turned out to be the best thing that I was able and what and, and to give a class and express it. Yeah, what an amazing thing your husband said, you will do this, you can yeah. do this. And, and then you put that out there and then the, the people working in your house, they, they made that all happen and then that's amazing. It was magical. And of it was magical, and it was the universe. Magical. You're ma she's magical, oh. guys. Yes, you are. It's okay. We can, say it. <laughs> we can say it. You're magical. You bring up. I'm sure they were just in heaven coming to work at your house every day. Oh. So I would have said, "Yeah, we can build a new floor. Let's do it. We can do this." And they did it. I 
I'll just show you, Chad. I'm going to send you like a little videos of uh -huh. that choreography because there's nothing better. I mean, there's lots of, things, lots of marvelous things, but to see your creation and then that uh, little girl, beautiful, do it, your creation, and you just sit there and watch them <laughs> just mm -hmm. cry. Mm -hmm. That's oh, amazing. I miss what the little ones and dance. Right? They're, they're the sweetest. They're the sweetest. And they give you so much. You learn so much from them and you're reminded of so much. Absolutely. Watch them. Yeah. So, Chad, I'm curious. Um, as as I mentioned earlier, I I love Estella. Are there going to be more musicals like Estella in the future, or was that like a one-off thing? I, you know, we actually participated in um a, another musical um virtual experience mm -hmm. on World AIDS Day. Um, mm -hmm. LGs. I don't know if you guys caught this. LGs for Angels, Punks, and Raging Queens. Yes, I, I, I'm familiar with that one, and I, and I know that's part of your roster, but I, I want more. You want more? <laughs> well, I, I it, it, might be, it might be a little too ambitious of me to ask. Well, no. But, I, I, but I'm, I'm curious. I, I, I love both experiences. I'm glad to hear that you want more. That's, that helps me going, going to, again, that planning portion of mm -hmm. next year of what's due. I mean, Truthfully, I'm a little bit um, uh, at a at a pause because I've got this hopeful. I'm in this hopeful place that we're going to have this vaccine and we're going to get back on stage. Mm -hmm. and, but in the meanwhile, two weeks ago, when I didn't feel like I was like, oh, when are we going to produce again? I was like, okay, well maybe we can do this cool Broadway on the Bowery idea, which mm -hmm. is another concept that I have about bringing sort of downtown artists and uptown artists together. Um, mm -hmm. I thought we could do this virtually and we can make, you know, so I, my brain is constantly having these ideas, but then I'm also watching yeah. the news and going, it's a tough time you, right now. You know, yeah, are you going to want to watch Estella or something like that when theater comes back? Like, is it going to replace? I think that's the question yeah. that I have to figure out, at least for my patrons, because mm -hmm. we only have a certain amount of money. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah of yeah. course. And um, to add to um, that question, in, in keeping with the sentiment of your campaign, um, let's say going back, um, going forward, pardon me, like two years from now, what do you want your patrons um, to remember about your response during this time? Mm -hmm. That's such a, a such a great question. Um, I hope that they will notice that during this very difficult time that we were able to um, um, produce content mm -hmm. and important work like elegies, we were able to give, um, like I said, the 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 six six virtual short plays. Um, we were able to present Estella Scrooge. Um, we've got we we have. And you a, didn't stop. And we you didn't, didn't stop. stop. I mean, my my partner has said to me um, a couple of times that that I'm working harder now than I ever had in the <laughs> past, and it it it's shockingly true because every week we have two um, radio plays that are out. We have a brand new coming, one coming in February. So um, I hope that people acknowledge and see that my mission truly was to not only keep theater alive in New York, but to keep this theater alive. Mm -hmm. um, I think watching so many things, whether, you know, 
it was a rehearsal studio that shut down. I think it's Shetler's Shetler, but I used to work mm -hmm. sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Restaurants and things. And, you know, I didn't, I, I luckily didn't have anyone close to me that I lost or family members, you know, mm -hmm. um, but losing sort of those things, seeing things get lost and having the company on my shoulders mm -hmm. and going, every day waking up saying, I'm not going to lose this company to COVID. I'm not going to lose this company that people spent 28 years building. You know, there's not that many of this, of these companies left that have the legacy. So I hope people see that there was a lot of work put in during a time that um, you could have rolled over and stayed in bed. Now, yeah. That's what I hope they sure. would totally in three years. I, I hope that that's what I would hope they say. Yeah, I hope so too. Thank you. Hey man, uh, Bianca, I was yeah. uh, watching Half Brothers uh, last week and <laughs> suddenly there you, yeah, suddenly there you were and I almost started crying because I was like, I haven't seen like, I don't see many people. Like I see my UPS guy maybe once a week or so, <laughs> but I'm like, I saw you and I was like, oh my God, I know her. And I was like, oh my Aww. God. And it was, it gave me, you know, I was very moved by your performance in it, mm -hmm. but I jumped, you know, like way ahead of myself. Cause I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, your work. I love you so much on stage, but I was like enthralled mm -hmm. by you playing Cheetah. I mean, last time I talked to you, uh, you were in West Side Story, and then you got to play Cheetah. And I always say that that production of West Side Story at the Knockdown Center, where you were doing Anita, and Cheetah was in the audience, was probably like the, the <laughs> most magical experience that I've ever had in the theater. So again, I'm like going all over the place, but I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, like TV work and like film and whether that has in some ways maybe like kind of like filled that space that uh you know in your heart and your soul that the stage can't offer right now totally i did that film half brothers last year and then kind of forgot about it sometimes films take a while right they'll take breaks and then they need to uh post-production whatever it is and uh during pandemic all of a sudden i got a call okay we're doing it we're premiering so it was a little light uh it was just amazing the way i found out also that it was been out it was out and um critics were watching it and re, um journalists a friend journalist of mine took a picture of his screen while it, while the movie was going on and sent it to me i hadn't even seen it myself because <laughs> you never know after the editing what it's gonna what are they gonna leave what are they gonna take out and so it was just really amazing when i finally watched it and the whole i thought it was a great message and you cry and you laugh and it's a good message in the end about family, two half brothers that find themselves, they, they didn't know about each other till later in their lives. And then there was a lot of truth they didn't know. And they finally get answers. And then they, it's all about healing, forgiving and letting go so you can move forward. And so um, it's a good movie to watch right now, especially during these times of pandemic. I feel so proud to, to have been a part of it. And then also, yes, the cheetah, it was one of the biggest blessings of my life because she's one of my biggest icons and, and, and examples and cheetah to me is, you know, so the moment that I got noticed that I was going to be portraying, attempting to portray cheetah, I immediately texted her and said, cheetah, 
just just happened. I can't do this without you. Please let me let me take you out to dinner so that I can uh, listen to you and ask, and you can tell me stories and whatever that. And she was so graceful and so generous and so humble and so loving with me. We never were able to coordinate that lunch because she was out doing cruises, and at the time this was a while back. But then being at the premiere and having Bibi and Annie sitting right behind me, my husband's the one that told me, oh, look who's behind you, and Anne Rankin and Bibi Newworth, and we had just watched two episodes back-to-back in the premiere. Um, and it, it, at the moment theater, I think it was, I, I forgot, um, just one of those pinch me, mm-hmm. one of those I can die now, one of those. One of those things that I just felt so fortunate and so privileged, just like when I did my Broadway debut in 2002, mm-hmm. when I came over from Mexico, that little girl that comes to to Broadway, and then I learned the history of it, that I was the first Mexican woman to cross over with a lead role, mm-hmm. that it wasn't just about me, that not only about Mexico, that it was about all Latin community that we're there representing putting as an ambassador putting the flag representing and letting everybody know that 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 we're here no and so it's been quite the journey during pandemic to have these little things that you can watch over again but every now and then i'll get somebody new that shoots me an email and i'm just watching fussy virgin oh my god there you are it's still happening and it's the, the best feeling ever it is food from my soul and it reminds me of everything that I've done. And when I need a little bit of a reminder, some days are tough. Yeah. Uh, during pandemic, I, I have nothing to complain about. Mm-hmm. Nothing. And I'm so grateful. So, Rieka, um, going back to Tita, I know Chicago has a really special place in your heart. So I'm curious to know, how, how did you balance um, the meanings these songs had for you? way back when versus what they meant to you then or what they mean to you now how how do you balance that the sound the the songs of chicago you mean yeah the meaning um they have for you they have for me well every time because throughout the years i've been so lucky to have a role to grow up with mm -hmm. to mature with to explore uh, life with and to grow up as a woman and to go through as a woman, as a dancer, as an actor, as a singer, everything you find. Can you imagine being on tour everywhere and then being here on Broadway and just explore, 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 experiment, experiment, experiment. Yes. Every time I leave and go do another show, every time I come back to Roxy, I have something new to give her, to offer her, to feed her. So I've just been so lucky, but, but the song nowadays, every time I freaking sing that I mean right now I can I don't know if I'm going to get through you know saying the words without crying because it's good isn't it fun isn't it uh, nowadays it's but nothing stays everything nothing is permanent in 50 years or so it's going to change you know but oh it's heaven nowadays so yes it's going to leave nothing yes everything is going to end Nothing is here permanently, mm-hmm. but enjoy it now while you have it. Yeah. Stop stressing. Oh my God, the day that it finishes and the day that will I want to, you have it now. So every time that I would get on that stage, dun, 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 boom. Velma Roxy, mm-hmm. Roxy Garden, Velma Kelly, boom. You can like the life you're living every moment. I could all, choking, choking, oh. I can sing because it's 
take a mental picture. You're here now. Feel it. Feel your shoes. Mm-hmm. Feel the stage. Feel the el bastón. Feel the cane. Sí, feel sí. The, the el bombín. Feel, feel the light. Feel the audience. This is happening right now. Right now you're here. Mm-hmm. Later in half an hour, you'll be taking off your costume and you'll be going home and having a drink. Right now you're here. Yeah. next to whoever your Velma is in this moment, who you cherish and celebrate, mm-hmm. who you respect and admire, and who you're, you know, mm-hmm. I'm Posse Burden when I was living this moment with Michelle mm-hmm. Williams. Let me tell you a really quick story. I'll try to yeah, go tell it in the, in the quickest. Months before I got uh, Cheetah, I was uh-huh. on a flight to Miami. To do the tour of Miami, they asked me, can you come and do Miami? Jaime Camille is going to do a a Billy Flynn and you when we want you to do Roxy. It's a week in Miami, not the Latinos. Okay. So my flight, first class, who's next to me? Michelle? Michelle Williams. I'm like, holy shit. No way. There's there's my shit. I I, I want you to know. (laughs) Um, I had seen her at that moment and the greatest showman Mm -hmm. and all the money in the world. So I was flying a lot, and I had seen those two of the films had been out, and I had just seen them. So of course I had a lot to say to her, but I'm like, no, but I'm respect, I'm I'm gonna respect her, and I'm not gonna be one of those friends like, hello, hello. So I'm just gonna. <laughs> but I I I love her. She was sitting right there, and I was over here. Okay, didn't say a word. Then they served us our lunch. I think something dropped or something. I'm like, oh, no, my 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 bread or something. I'm like, that's it. <laughs> the flight finished. We got up and I said, I have to say something to this woman. This is all I said to her. Much light to you. And she said, thank you. She gave me a huge <laughs> smile. She has, she has a big smile, big, big smile like me, like big, big mouth. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, that was it. And she went, la, la. Oh, that was it. I had my little moment with Michelle Williams. So, la, la, la. Life goes on. Months go by. Months. Same mm-hmm. thing, months. Uh, oh, this happens. My audition. Cheetah. I got it. Whatever I ask. Who's going to be converting? Michelle Williams, and I go, oh, we go way back. We had lunch <laughs> together in the sky. Okay, months go by. We arrive. I start. We start filming. The moment of nowadays, rehearsal comes, and we're in the room. Michelle Williams is a very private, shy person, mm. and she doesn't look up too much, And, and uh, but she's such a sweet person, I'll tell you. So we're, we're rehearsing. She hasn't opened up to me. I said, I got to get her to trust me. I got to get her. I think she thinks, I don't know. Uh, so I got to get her to, that it's okay that we can, you know. So we were on a break and I told Michelle, I'm going to tell you a story. And she goes, okay. She goes, okay. Cause I go like that. Like this, right? So, and she goes, my, and I go a month ago, I was on the flight and next to me was you. Me? So we had lunch, blah, 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 blah. and in the end, I told you this, you don't remember, that's okay. And then I got Chiro Rivera, and then they tell me Michelle Williams, and, blah, 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 blah. and here we are, and this is exactly how we were sitting, like on the flight. And so little did we know, it was Roxy Harding, Bell Kelly. Wow. We're shooting, we're at the theater with all the cranes, the cameras, and we're shooting that moment when they're on the. Uh, uh, the, the MC is saying, and now, ladies and gentlemen, the theater, la, 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 Roxy Hart and Bill McKelly. And if you go back to, to, to the, the series, yeah. uh, Verde, and, and you see the camera is going like that from the top. The guy's on the second floor saying mm-hmm. this, and then they come, and we're there. And you will see something that wasn't on script that Michelle decided to do. 
right before we, we went uh, action, because we did it many times, many times, and there we were standing to each other. She tells me, little did we know, a girl from Montana and a girl from Mexico, she said. And I go, I got one even better. A girl from Montana and a girl from Monterrey. That's where I was born. born. Uh-huh. M-O-N-T, Montana, M-O-N-T, Monterrey. <gasps> and I go, I got another one. <laughs> exactly. And I hadn't said it when I told the story before. And I said, mm-hmm. this is exactly how we were seated on that plane. You to my left and me to the right. And so the camera started going down. And right before we started, and this is the one they kept on the series. You will see Michelle going like this with her hand to me. And I give her my hand. And we hold hands. And then we go back to our king. Oh, you I, can't I like look into the that. life you're living. Wow. So it was a very special moment. And to tell you to answer your question, Alicia, uh-huh. these words mean so much to me. All the words in the show, all the, since I'm funny, honey, Roxy, what can I say about the entire monologue? I'm older than I ever had gotten to be, and I can finally say it, right? Because I got this role when I was 25 and 44 now. So um, all these little messages, it's so important, such a genius and brilliant script. But nowadays, it's the most important during pandemic, especially, because we're so worried about everything that we think that we lost or everything that we are waiting for to come back. And we're not enjoying all the blessings that we have in this moment. That is so true. Such a great story too. I just have to say, thank you for sharing that. I'm glad I'm part of this conversation. Thank you for listening because uh, I dear to my heart. So I love uh, sharing it and I think it's very special. And then we kept in touch, but of course our lives have gone like that, doesn't matter. I'll always have that little moment with her. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it, it means a lot. So all I have to do is transport myself to that little moment. And then I can be reminded of a lot of things that, that, I, that are useful to remember now that gives me courage and gives me mm-hmm. strength. You're making me want to like do the hot honey rag. That's absolutely beautiful. So thank you both so much for joining us. Like, uh, let us know about this is your moment to plug everything you have going on. Uh, where can people find the I will campaign? Like, what else do you have going on? Like, tell us everything right now. Thank um, you. Thank you for having me and and Bianca. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Oh, it's so good to see you, Chad. So good to see. You. I'm going to email you. I can't wait to see you again. Oh, we will so soon, and we'll drink so much wine. You can keep please. That, you can keep that in the recording. I'm going to stay out all night with you. <laughs> uh, all, night. all night. I can't wait to see you on stage again. Um, everything with Abingdon you can find at abingdontheater.org. And it's um, it's RE for theater, so it's Abingdon Theater with an RE.org. And you can go and you can check out the I Will campaign. You can you can watch so many things for free and listen to so many things for free and join the I Will campaign also by just making your proclamation, um, which is always exciting. And mm-hmm. um, also we have the Instagram and all those fun things. It's all simple under abingdontheater.org. Um, And Bianca, what about you? I mean, you have Half Brothers. There's Hossie Verdon, if people want to stream it. Half Brothers. Um, I've got my, uh, well, that's what's going on. That's out now. Um, and I just keep posting every now and then on Instagram things, you know, 
or past performances or supporting other people. So my Twitter, my Facebook, and my Instagram, and every now and then I'll share something positive to a message or something that if it helps me during the day, I know that it's going to serve somebody else because we're all in this boat together and we're all in the same boat trying to lift each other up. So um, just look for my Instagram. Uh, and if you find something that serves you or that you want to share that you think that it'll be useful for people to, to, to be uh, exposed to right now, go ahead, feel free. And that's what I'm aiming for. But thank you. Yeah, others. <laughs> thank you both so much. And I promise next time we will meet at the theater. So I'll see you at the theater soon. So you saw me uh, also like freak out and be like a fanboy with Bianca. So, you know, it's not only drag queens necessarily. Like I, I, I don't know, when I love a performer, I, I'm a fan. I mean, over everything else, I'm a fan. Did you have a good time talking to Chad and, and Bianca? Oh, I love talking to both of them. Bianca, I, I told this to Bianca. I, I thought about keeping it to myself, but I just had to tell her. My introduction to Bianca was the TV show Miraki and Baila, which is like the Latinx Dancing with the Stars, because um, <laughs> local TV, it's basically Univision and Televisa, which are primarily Mexican networks. And I'm not Mexican. I'm from Puerto Rico. So I didn't know about Bianca's career until I started learning more about the theater. And it's like, she, she's a dancer and a great one at it, but I didn't know she was in Chicago and Mexico, Beauty and the Beast, the pajama game. It's like, she is so rad. I love her. So it, it brought me back to my teenage years just watching Bianca and like little did I know I was going to interview Bianca with one of my friends and colleagues. That's so adorable because for me it was actually you know I grew up in, in Honduras so I actually watched a lot of uh, Mexican TV and I always remember and I also told her that the first time that we talked how I knew her name because she was always like La Bella y la Bestia con Bianca Marroquín and I knew her before I knew you know, uh, American, like Broadway and like, theater performer. So yeah. Bianca Marroquin for me was always a name that I associated with theater. So it's so wonderful how we both came to love the same performer through very different avenues. And speaking of avenues, this is the moment where we remind you that, you know, we chose a particular avenue to create and bring Token Theater Friends to you. And this show is entirely crowdfunded. So if you are able to become a patron contributor, please do so. I know that this year is hell. And it's been very hard for all of us. And asking anyone for any kind of donation or contribution is awkward, you know, to, to say a very American expression. But we need you. Uh, we do this for you. We have no funding from anywhere else. And the beauty about what we do, I think, is that you know you can become a subscriber for one dollar a month, and that's all we're gonna ever ask of you. And I can't imagine if like thousands and thousands and thousands of you became contributors at the dollar level, 
not only would you be helping us bring the show to you with more co-hosts like Alicia and Alexi, who you heard last episode. And at some point, I don't even have to be in the show. And I, I would love to see Alicia and Alexi and like all the other incredible co-hosts that we have in the upcoming weeks. You know, Juan Michael, who's like a freaking like God. I would love to see them to the show and me just like enjoy the show like all of you do. So if you can, please check it out. If you can't uh, become a contributor right now, uh, I would really appreciate if you could share. Also, if you join our Patreon, you get exclusive bonuses, like a newsletter, bonus Q&As, exclusive videos, and many, 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 many more things come. Like, I don't know if you were part, for instance, over the weekend of the uh, prom watch party that another recent co-host, Kelly Hayes, hosted. And that's what I want. I, I want to build a community. So, Alisa, do you think it's a, it's a good investment, a buck a month in Token Theater Friends? I think that's a good deal. <laughs> you, you get so much. And of course, we, one of the things I would like to mention, we don't have to editorialize our content because it's just us. And that is a beauty and a privilege to do in this industry. And if that is something you value, contribute a dollar, maybe two. Maybe two, yes. And speaking of that, it's the two of us uh, saying goodbye for now. So this has been Jose Solis. And this has been Alicia Ramirez. And we are your Choque Theater friends. We'll catch you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.